Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. I have Melanie Weller. Uh, She's a physical therapist, a board-certified orthopedic clinical specialist, and a certified athletic trainer, a certified exercise expert for aging adults as well. We're going to talk about the vagus nerve and why it's important and uh, how it can be influenced, you know, for our benefit. So, Melanie, thanks for coming. Thank you so much for having me, Richard. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so what, what, what gives you the nerve to talk about the vagus nerve? Like, how did you get interested <laughs> in it? Well, I've been a physical therapist for about 25 years or so. And my, uh, my background, I ended up very early in my career treating people that had not found success elsewhere. A lot of complicated chronic pain patients and people with conditions that had not resolved through the traditional medical system or even often alternative interventions as well. And when you, these, often these, by the time you get someone who's been around the block a few times, so to say, their body, and I say this with very much affection, is essentially a biomechanical train wreck, that they have biomechanical dysfunction from their skull and the base of their base of their skull, their upper neck, all the way down to their big toe, that nothing is moving appropriately, and they have very poor shock absorption. And as a clinician, you can make yourself crazy trying to treat 50 or 100 different dysfunctions. Mm, And so the the challenge that I uh, held myself to, or the game that I liked to play, was what one or two things could I do that would clear 10 or 20 or 30 of these other things that were all you know, these other limitations in range of motion and in uh, quality of movement and whatnot, you know, and often even strength or uh, the, what I would call a neuromuscular firing pattern. Like often people in pain do not recruit their muscles in the ideal order when they go to move. And well, I can tell you, I guess, you know, one exercise for anyone over 40 that probably will be difficult is Lay down on the floor, stand up again. Lay down on the floor. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> That's hard, you know? Absolutely, yeah. And so I, um, I learned through some osteopathic-based training that I took how to decompress the vagus nerve at the base of the skull. And I found that such an incredibly powerful technique to clear tremendous amounts of dysfunction in the body. And whenever I would get someone you know, even my more conventional patients that weren't getting better at the rate that I expected them to, and I expected everybody to be better every time they came back to see me, that I would, uh, I would often go decompress the vagus nerve at the base of their skull. And it worked so incredibly well. And over the years, uh, I just expanded that system and how I applied it. So your vagus nerve it's your 10th cranial nerve. So it comes out of your brainstem and it goes all the way down pelvis. It's outside of your spinal cord and it innervates your vocal cords, your heart and your digestive system. 
and your sweat glands, and that's just skimming the surface of what it does. Most of us are familiar with our vagus nerves from doing some kind of public speaking engagement or getting up in front of a class at school to do a presentation, and we get a lump in our throats, and our palms start to sweat, and our hearts start to race, and our digestion alters because those are all vagus nerve mediated functions. And when we get that nervous stress response, it means our vagus nerve has been dialed down and our fight and flight responses have been dialed up. Oh, really? Okay. And so your vagus nerve is the biggest part of your parasympathetic nervous system, which is your rest and digest. It's your grace under pressure. And it's also sexual arousal and experiencing pleasure, things that uh, feel good tend to be very parasympathetic uh, from a neurological standpoint. And so, and the research around the vagus nerve is really amazing. And so how well your vagus nerve functions has predictive value for how long people with pancreatic cancer will live. Uh, Women with complete spinal cord injuries, meaning that they have no function below the level of their injury can achieve orgasm with vagus nerve stimulation at the cervix because your vagus because in women vagus nerve innervates the cervix and in a lot uh, electric neurosurgeons will often uh, or i'll say often but they will sometimes because your condition has to be quite um, it's usually a last resort technique but they will implant a vagus nerve stimulator uh, usually at the level of the neck because that's where it's most superficial for seizure disorders uh, chronic pain, um, sometimes he- migraine, headache conditions, and it has really the outcomes for that are are good. Okay. They also will, in the research, will use electrical stimulation of the vagus nerve for other conditions. Through this, they've discovered that stimulation of the vagus nerve re- reverses the mitochondrial defects that go with heart disease, with ischemic heart disease, which means lack of blood flow, and that your vagus nerve is not directly into the mi- in the mitochondria in your cells. Your mitochondria are little teeny tiny structures inside each of your cells. Right, but it's signaling. But, but it signals a cascade of effects that helps reverse the damage that, in that that's associated or the uh, defects that go with uh, are associated with heart disease. It has also been shown to reverse insulin resistance in diabetics and. Um, and beyond, uh, you can get, there are, is a, a little handheld uh, self-vagus nerve stimulator that's out on the mar- market now that you, I believe you need a prescription to get a hold of it. But it, um, you know, I have seen some people have been using that and I know a, a physician that has one in his office that he uses for treatment and that it works, you know, he's having great results with that. But we can really address this in a very mechanical fashion. Because your vagus nerve goes all the way from your brainstem down to your pelvis, there are points within the body that it can get stuck and that I would argue that it can even get pinched. And your vagus nerve is also what gets dialed down and what doesn't function very well in the midst of trauma. People that have trauma and PTSD, uh, that's also a result of the vagus nerve being dialed down. And we know through research. When, that, when you say when you say dial down, does that mm-hmm. mean that for some reason it can't properly stimulate yes. and convey its 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 messages? I mean, what correct, you know, correct? What does dial down mean? Right, dial down. Yes, it can't it can't convey its messages, and so that your fight or flight system is being really loud without having your 
uh, grace under pressure having any voice in the system. <laughs> that you're nice and you're feel good and you're calm signals are not able to are, uh, are are not able to be heard okay and then when you say <clears throat> stimulate the vagus nerve what does that mean i mean do you have like a do you do you zap it like i do not yeah. well no i do not zap it i treat it like a pinched nerve and i oh, use you try to free it so that i try it can, to free it so that it can do its thing and i would argue that in the midst of trauma that your vagus nerve itself gets traumatized. We know that trauma always affects the voice and the breath. And your vocal cords and your respiratory diaphragm are horizontally oriented in the body. And so is your pelvic floor. It's horizontally oriented. And certainly some people in the midst of trauma will also lose bladder control. And so we have this horizontal system in our body that reacts to trauma. And so my system is all about opening that horizontal system in your body so that the vagus nerve has more space. And really, I contextualize a lot of this around the vagus nerve, but really it also decompresses your arteries and your veins and your lymphatics and everything that's going vertically in your, in your body. Okay. Is this with like postural therapy or a massage? I use, I use uh, well, for, I, uh, I have on my website and my YouTube channel, there's a free uh, self-directed course that you can go through and do an assessment and do the exercises yourself there. I use mostly breath exercises in terms of what I give people for home programs. For people that work with me in person, I do have a lot of hands-on skills that I use to facilitate that as well. And I've also created a form of energy medicine that I use to work with people both in person and in online as well. And so I'll take people, you know, I treat people with this process all over the world. Oh, okay. So you'll, they'll do uh, well, like guided meditation and breath work or like, what does it look like clinically? There's a little bit of breath work. There's so, you know, because I'm a physical therapist, it's always a, a self-assessment or an assessment piece to kind of see where the restriction is or to at least create enough of a situation to, um, so that we can have a before and after measurement. You know, sometimes that's a little tricky when I'm working with somebody online and educating them, but um, the, you know, but usually we can find something about where it works. And I use this not only with people in pain, I do a lot of coaching for people that are looking to uh, amplify their influence and, you know, do uh, enhance their business and their personal lives in different ways. So this, I I use this across a wide variety of applications, but, and then when, so in a remote session, I would definitely have them go through the exercise and I uh, will usually work with my hands up to the screen so I can feel into their energy. And I'll talk about the bridge between the vagus nerve and this energy system in a minute. And, um, and I'll just feel into it to see where it's, you know, so I can kind of feel where it's most restricted. And it's cool. just, it's the most, it, it's such, a, it's so much fun. <laughs> like, it's just like the greatest kind of play in the whole world. And when, uh, and there's nothing better than getting rid of somebody's pain or limitation or being able to change the way that they see something when they've been stuck in a particular pattern for a long time right I've, so and because okay. the, all right yeah where so, does the um so so on a on a man and then on a woman where does it mm-hmm. begin i guess it begins what 
at the brainstem and then goes down the spine. Goes and all, yeah, well, it goes down through the middle of the body, really. It follows the esophagus down through the diaphragm. Okay. And innervates all the muscles of the digestive system, you know, the, okay. the muscles in your intestines that help move the food through, and then goes into your pelvis area as well. Hmm. Okay. And on a woman, you said it will end at the cervix? And then what about on a man? You know, in a man, I have not been able to find an exact answer for where it ends in a man. I've looked that up. And I know there's a group of electrocardiologists that are mapping the vagus nerve right now because they know we know we don't know everything it does and all the places that it goes. Oh, okay. So uh, I guess you'll do an assessment. You'll feel along the person if you're with them in person and see where there's blockages. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and it overwhelmingly limits rotation in the body because, you know, because those horizontal structures in the body live on the transverse plane of our bodies. And that's the axis on which rotation happens. So nobody gets traumatized or stressed and has really great arm swing when they walk. They all lock up. You know, oh, people tend to like crunch inwards and right. become restricted in that way. Exactly. You know, our arms are steady, swings their, you know, arms freely after they've been stressed or traumatized. You know, they'll keep their arms in closer to their body not swing them as much. And so we lose rotation first. And, and rotation clinically is often the last thing that, uh, at least as a physical therapist, we're trained to give people back. And you mean rotation or just like freedom of movement in general? No, I would rotation specifically. So as a clinician, like we'll look at, uh, like physical therapists will look at movement across three planes that you kind of have flexion extension, which is like, you know, bending down to touch your toes and coming up or doing a bicep curl would be flexion and lowering the weight. Also, oh, like, just in terms of my back, if I have problems, it'll be hard for me to, like, do any kind of back bend. It'll be hard sure. for me to, like, reach down and touch my toes. Right. It'll be hard for me to, like, you know, lean over each side. Like, all that will become locked up. Sure, right. So most people will give up rotation first, and then what happens is that they move, they'll often move excessively side to side. And those are off, most often the people that show up in a PT clinic with back pain because they're moving excessively side to side because they've given up rotation. And by the time they lock up side to side motion, those are your people that are kind of bent forward or your little old ladies that are hunched over because they've lost their other two planes of movement. Also, and, the first compensating mechanism is to like shuffle side to side. And then when you lose that, then you start to what? You just... Then you, you then you start place. start to hunch over. Okay, I see. I've seen people like bends in half. I don't know how they get that way, but yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> if you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. Yeah, no, there's and and so there's there's a, a general progression that that goes with that. But when you can uh, really bring people ro back rotation and bring it back sooner. And there are some exceptions to this rule. If you, somebody has a really acute herniated disc situation, you know, there's, uh, then you, you might not introduce rotation <laughs> really early, right. but the, um, but when you can really get this free up this rotation and get people to use it and understand it, I find that it's just this super highway to getting people better. And your vagus nerve is such an incredible uh, key to getting there because it uses the same neurotransmitter that your muscles do. Okay. And so you Which get these, acetylcholine. Acetylcholine. Okay. 
And so you get these really beautiful neuromuscular responses to it. So I can decompress somebody's vagus nerve at the base of their skull or teach them to do it themselves. And they'll get more ankle range of motion. It changes foot and big toe biomechanics. Um, That must really surprise people if you do that. It is. It's so it's just like a magic show. It's really fun. (laughs) And we're all just so clever in how we lay down our dysfunction. It's really, um, you know, I would say probably about 60% of people, uh, again, I say this very with with a lot of love that they read the textbook before they develop their injury. And I know exactly how it's going to play out. It's going to be very predictable. You know, they present in a very standard way. And then there's about 30% of people who did not read the textbook, but I've seen this and I can make a logical story out of what it is. And then there's always a handful of people, that 10% or so, that wrote their own textbook. And I have to figure out what they've done to create this dysfunction because they don't necessarily respond to the standard um, interventions in the way that you would expect. But having this head-to-toe evaluation system and really working through the vagus nerve gives a lot of, um, it, it makes that a lot easier than any other clinical paradigm I've been introduced to. And I've been around a long time and studied with a lot of super talented people. Mm-hmm. From a, uh, beyond that, your vagus nerve, I find, is also the bridge between your story and your body. So like when your story is trauma, it, your right. vagus nerve will very much lock things up. When your story is joy and pleasure, then it's not, oh, you know, it d- doesn't always end up so incredibly locked down. I get a lot of psychiatric referrals too. And I know how to spot suicide ideation just with my biomechanical tests. I always know when to ask and to get the people referred uh, out appropriately because they are so severely locked up in there with rotation from head to toe. And there's some other more uh, visceral and energetic assessments that go with it, but it's like, I can, I can pick it out, you know, I've I've seen it enough that I know, like, I'm sure it's a thing. And I'm really would love to partner with someone who, uh, to create a research study out of it, because it's, I really think that, uh, you know, we all have a physical expression of our internal narrative and an internal expression of our physical narrative. And as humans, we connect story than we do with process that I can, you know, I technically talk to someone process all day long and it doesn't it's not nearly as emotionally evocative as if I put it into a story form and the difference the story is really important when working especially when working with pain but I would say anyone who wants to change uh, anything about their life because the difference between acute subacute pain and chronic pain is that chronic pain gets locked into your limbic system and your limbic system is where your emotions are in your brain and you can't, and you have to have an emotional key to unlock their pain from that part of the brain. They're stuck in their story. You know, and I would argue that even beyond pain, that anybody who's stuck in a, in a belief pattern, I, I bet probably has a similar loop in the limbic system. But we know through the research, the difference between acute subacute pain and chronic pain is that chronic pain gets locked in the limbic system. So technical talk doesn't uh, give people an emotional reaction. All of the leading pain experts pain science experts will say that they love it when somebody cries or gets angry because they know they're going to get better. It's people with a flat app hmm. that they worry about. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's true because, yeah, 
I remember my mom, you know, had cancer and <clears throat> at some point it, that's, that's what her affect was. It was completely flat. And then you don't know what to say to the person, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so in the midst of my own, uh, midlife crisis. <laughs> One of the things that I discovered just as I was reading um, for myself was that mythology was a mode of transmitting scientific information. So for example, the myth of the ancient Egyptian myth of Isis and Osiris contains all of the numbers, or not all of it, contains many of the numbers of the Earth's processional cycle, how it rotates and tilts. So the story was a way that they communicated the cosmology. And there are other major myths from other cultures that have the same numbers associated with them. So it was, and it's well understood that ancient people understood the cosmology well. Yeah. And so I took that in two different directions. One, my first thought was that, well, if our earth right now is at about a 23 and a half degree tilt, what's 23 and a half degrees from the midline of the body? And the, okay, what is it? the opening of the vagus, the opening where the vagus nerve exits the skull is 23 and a half degrees from the center of where the spinal cord exits the base of the skull. And you have one on the right and one on the left, but 23 and a half degrees bisects that opening. And I know from just my biomechanical knowledge that I've had for, you know, from PT school um, mostly, that normal rotation between your first and second vertebrae in your neck is 47 degrees. So it's twice 23 and a half. And there's also 47 degrees between the pole stars that the earth points to over thousands and thousands of years. And uh, the anterior cruciate ligament sits at an average 47 degrees and normal uh, rotation at the foot is 23 degrees. Also, there's, there's this uh, <laughs> weird, there's multiples of this tilt too that show up. Exactly. And so, and I would tell you from all my years of treating patients that when these angles are not right in your body, you are less likely to feel well. Huh. And so I've developed this system of critical angles. The other thing that I was doing for myself uh, in the midst of my own crisis was studying astrology. And I, uh, not long after I started that, I did a, an online stress management talk for free. And I ended up talking a lot about the ventricles of the brain. And the ventricles in the brain make cerebral spinal fluid. And for 20 years, I've had a favorite image from a set of anatomy books that I acquired shortly after I graduated from PT school for a series of courses I was taking. And this image is a 3D, it's a compilation of MRI images to give you a 3D picture of what the ventricles of the brain look like. And after I did this presentation, I was like, oh, I'll just share this uh, image with the group. And when I opened it, it hit me that it looked just like the ram's horns that represent Aries in astrology. And in astrology, in medical astrology, Aries rules the head. And then I was like, oh, well, where's the rest of it? Because I'd been in this space with the other information about how mythology was a mode of scientific writing, you know, just a different way of doing it than we do it now. And sure enough, the way your hyoid bone in your throat sits on top of your larynx, looks just like the symbol for Taurus and Taurus rules the throat. And the aortic arch is the same shape as the symbol for Leo and Leo rules the heart. And so it works this way the whole way through the body. And so I can use this, I use the story with clients, this, these stories to help dig into what really the root of their stress is. And 
I've turned it into a form of energy medicine as well, because I think this is just how the cosmos is coded into us, like how we are a fractal of the bigger picture. And we can really look at these patterns and, uh, you know, and leverage them for not only better health, but better performance and um, more influence in our businesses and our personal lives. And there's just the, the applications that I've been privileged to facilitate are just um, enormous. And I'm excited to get this out on a bigger platform. Okay. So you can, um, it, it obviously would be best to be with you where you could put hands on the person, but remotely, can you do sessions and can you help people? And Absolutely. People, you don't yeah. get a hundred percent. They still could get a lot of help. Oh, they get a lot of help. And I would say actually most of my clients now are online. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's excellent. So, uh, someone listening, if they're feeling at all restricted and locked up, <clears throat> what's the best way for them to get in contact with you and set up a session? My contact information is all over my web- website, which is melanieweller.com. Okay. And Weller is W-E-L-L-E-R. MelanieWeller.com. Yes. Got it. Yes. Okay. Um, what's, um, is there, are you keeping your eyes on research regarding the vagus nerve? Are there uh, other nerves that you want to impact, like the trigeminal nerve or, you know, or is there plenty well, to go on the vagus? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I think, you know, trigeminal nerve is, you know, uh, Absolutely. Well, and I, the fastest path to change for the body for sure is to go through the nerves. You know, muscles only get tight because they're react because of their neurological input. So when you treat the nerve, the muscle changes very, very quickly. And so absolutely treating nerves is the fastest way to go. And I do, I focus my, uh, my work around the vagus nerve, but I absolutely have some great techniques for trigeminal nerve. Uh, the phrenic nerve that innervates the diaphragm travels with the vagus a little bit too. And that's super important because if your phrenic nerve isn't working, you're not breathing. And breath is a very, very powerful uh, influencer for the body as well. Okay. Um, anything coming uh, in the next few years or the next year or yes. so? Any research that you're like, come on, come on. <laughs> well, the um, I'm, uh, I'm looking for partners for research projects. I am currently very deep into writing my book, which I'm hoping to have out before Christmas 2020. And if that doesn't happen, it'll be shortly thereafter. Okay. So, and that will tie all of the physical pieces with the story and really take it into, um, you know, like I work with leaders and businesses too. And we talk about leadership compression points because those stress points that we experience are all, um, all the same. And sometimes it this physical pain and some shows up more as a, um, uh, you know, more of, it, it plays out a little bit more in story in our lives. And so, but I can, uh, but I love looking at that spectrum and helping people tease that apart so that they can rewire themselves and their lives and create new patterns and achieve goals that previously were not possible. Okay. Well, very good. If you want to email me directly, it's ask at melanieweiler.com. Okay. Very good. Melanie, thanks for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Richard. I appreciate it. Have a great night. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.